Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Commonwealth Club of California. My name is Denise Michaud, and our program is hosted by the Grown Ups Forum. Our topic today is how to best age in place, creating a safe and delightful home. I'm delighted to introduce our two special guests. Susie Stadler is an architect, and for the past 20 years, she's been dedicated to design solutions to help people age in place in their home. She is also the co-founder and executive director of a nonprofit in San Francisco called At Home with Growing Older. Candice Milford, who also about the last 20 years, has been a marketing director for continuing care retirement communities and assisted living facilities. So she knows the issues of aging. She sees those every day. She's had some programs here at the Commonwealth Club, and she's known as an expert in the retirement options area. She also serves as the board president of At Home with Growing Older. So Candice and Susie will have some slides um, to show you during the talk, and I will exit the, the, the screen and come back during the question period. So with that, Candice, I'll hand it over to you. All right. Thank you, Denise. Face it, we know that about 99.9% of us want to age in our homes. And yet my daily work is antithetical to that. I'm dealing with people who either need to or want to leave their homes. Uh, My job being to fill a building. And yet, over the course of the past 17 years, as I've fielded literally thousands of calls from all over the United States. I heard the angst of many people and how unaffordable San Francisco is in terms of the fees and to to even live here. And worse, getting calls from people in rent control departments uh, wondering what they should do. Um, And I tell them, stay where you are. Uh, once you leave that place, you can't get it back. So ethically, I had this this war going on inside. How do I balance my daily work? How do I find something where I can advise people to help them age in place? And that's when I found At Home with Growing Older about six years ago at a longevity summit down in Santa Clara. And over the period of the last six years, I've become board president and I'm it's, it's solved that ethical conflict for me. Susie? Well, and I am uh, Susie Stadler, and I am so lucky to have Candice as my board president. I'm an architect, and I went into this field of age-friendly design because I have learned in my work as an architect that our homes are a totally underused resource in later age. And what I would like to do with my work is not only inspire other architects and designers to be more imaginative in creating environments for older adults, but also unlock the creativity of everybody here to uh, tap into their expert knowledge about their own homes 
and create uh, an environment that really fits them and fits their changing needs in the years to come. The reality is that, um, oops, uh, most of us age in their own homes, as Candy said. Uh, this is because we love to do it. But also sometimes we have no other choice. It's just a reality that there will never be enough specific residences constructed and designed for older adults. So our homes are our senior homes. And the reality is also that most of them are not designed for aging in place. And here in the Bay Area, we all know many of us have stairs, our homes are far from barrier-free. So we at, at Home is Growing Older have taken on this challenge to really support you in aging in your own homes, not only with safety, but also with delight. And today's conversation will be about that. How can you create an environment that fits you and fits you like a glove in older age? We are a nonprofit organization, and uh, we do our work through three programs. One is at Home on Air. These are expert conversations. The second one is the Aging 360 workshop, which goes into much more detail than today's conversation. And the third one is an annual teach-in on aging, the H-in our perspective is that our homes need to be partners. And the second thing is that we are experts in our own homes. And every, if you can't be 100% in what you do in terms of making your home edge friendly or barrier free, even 50% or 60% is better than nothing. So when we think about um, realities of growing older in the United States, the fact that our homes need to be lifelong homes is not just true in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's throughout uh, the country. And also what's also true is that only nine out of 10 houses in America uh, or the opposite, that nine out of 10 houses in the States are not age-ready. And what do I mean by age-ready or what is this sort of statistic? What definition is it built on? Age-ready means that uh, you have a barrier-free entry to your home, so a no-step entry, that you have a bathroom on the first floor, and there is some kind of assistive device, uh, like a safety bar in your bathroom. But even if you don't have that, even something as simple as a lever handle can make a difference for somebody to be able to exit uh, their home and be part of the community. This, of course, especially for people who have arthritis and have troubles gripping a doorknob tightly. The other fact about uh, aging in America is loneliness. Loneliness is a bigger health risk than smoking a pack of cigarettes per day. 
And staying socially connected is the biggest scientifically proven contributor to a healthier aging experience. An age-friendly home, it doesn't have to be age-ready, but an age-friendly home can certainly foster community connections. If you feel comfortable in your home, if you feel confident in your home, others will feel the same and you will be able to invite people out and venture into the world. Many of the products that were installed in homes that are 20 years or older um, are, were really designed for younger people and more able bodied. Um, however, on occasion, there's a medical emergency. And what is your choice? You have to go to the medical supply company to find something so that you can use your bathroom safely. And this is what you find poorly designed lack of imagination, there's simply functional solutions to a problem, and they certainly aren't delightful. Um, this is where we need to spend time now um, to improve these um, not so thoughtfully designed hardwares. Yes, the question is, why can't the bathroom for somebody uh, with mobility or cognitive impairments, why can't it look like this? Uh, we'll talk about this a little later, but uh, this is a bathroom designed by a Swiss firm, especially for people with cognitive impairment. There is no reason not to have imagination in age-friendly environments. But it's difficult to get motivated to make changes. Uh, because um, many of us um, think uh, or consider themselves younger than their actual age. That's just a fact and has been proven in many studies. So if you think you're younger than your actual age, then why prepare for the changes of old age? But regardless of age, let's acknowledge that our bodies are different. They are not, uh, we all look different. We all have different heights. And I love this image of Charles and Ray Eames, iconic designers uh, in the early and mid 1900s, who uh, many, some of you might know the Eames chair. They put a lot of imagination, especially into the chair, which of course, as many of us know, is a really important tool uh, as we grow older, a really important equipment. So uh, I believe that their different bodies has really helped them to produce human-centered design solution. Nobody, nobody should have to stand on a step stool just because they are short and every morning reach up to their closet rail, which is mounted at standard height, <laughs> uh, there are solutions to this. Uh, we don't have to adapt to our environments like this. Our environments can adapt to us. And just think about all the standards we live in, the standard chair height, the standard toilet height, the standard counter heights. We are so used to live with the standards, even though we are different. But Acknowledging 
not only our different bodies, it's also about acknowledging that our bodies change in old age. It's just a fact of normal aging. And uh, this, of course, is Jane Fonda here in uh, Gracie and Frank, Frankie, the movie. And um, she doesn't acknowledge that her body has changed. She flings a scarf around the neck of the statue to pull herself up in this beautiful bathroom. And um, I would think that there are better uh, alternatives and safer alternatives than uh, as to than throwing a scarf around the neck of a statue. Something as beautifully designed uh, as this bathroom probably would pass uh, Jane Fonda's muster. Uh, a wall-hung toilet, which she could put at the height, which is right for herself, and uh, a safety bar, a fold-down uh, safety bar, and other wall-mounted um, accessories, which keep the floor open uh, for clearances and turning radiuses if necessary. I also love this example uh, of an artist, a famous artist, how he adopted or adapted to change in older age. This is, of course, Arthur Rubinstein, who uh, performed in concert way into his 90s. And what he did is uh, he played fewer pieces. He alternated slow pieces with faster pieces. So even though he couldn't play as fast, the pieces would still be relatively fast, you know, compared to the slow pieces, and he practiced more. And I think this sort of notion of practicing more is something uh, we can learn from. We can learn from in the extreme sport of aging. We are all, uh, if we're lucky, we are all involved in. And um, I think it's fair to compare the practice of aging uh, with the practice of an extreme sport. Both athletes and elders have to have courage, face adversities, cultivate the mental tenacity to overcome them, and look for the best tools, not what we have seen before in the bathroom, uh, Candice spoke to, the best tools and supportive devices to continue their endeavor. You know, I wanted to go back for a moment and, and, and just share some of the anecdotes that I hear um, over time, how people adapt to their environment. I'm sure you've heard of furniture surfing. That's probably very common with people in their homes who have poor balance. It's, um, it works for a while, but it probably would be safer to use a walker, but that would be acknowledging that you might be aging and that is not something that people feel comfortable with acknowledging sometimes. I also heard of another man who, uh, while we do encourage creativity in evaluating your home and coming up with solutions, his solution was to uh, put up an entire rope system around his living room. It was attached to chairs, tables, walls, the stairs, and that worked for a while, but honestly, it, it was fraught with opportunity for stumbling and falls, and that's the very thing that we 
certainly want to avoid as we age. So why not apply sort of the same um, principles we would apply uh, when we prepare for climbing Half Dome to a stair in our home? Uh, railings on both sides, well-lit walls, and contrasting uh, treads and rises. And sort of a view ahead, where am I going, similar to Half Dome? And I really think that at certain points in our lives, we should value what we do when we move about the same way as athletes do when they prepare for their climb or their jump. And, you know, one of the things that, as simple as it sounds, taking out the trash is often one of the very most common reasons people pick up the phone and call me. They just can't do it anymore. It's dangerous in San Francisco on the hills to do it. Um, But it just goes to show that there are things that uh, you can and cannot control. But uh, it's sometimes very simple things that are those that are the tipping point for you to have to leave, not that we want to leave. Yes, and I would think that, you know, stairs are often the obstacle course, uh, which sort of makes taking out the trash a scary experience. So making your stairs as safe as possible, I would consider as one of the most important steps to stay in your home. Yeah, what good does it do to have this gorgeous multi-story home in Seacliff when you live in one room on the first floor next to the kitchen? So this might be a good opportunity now that we have talked about what we have to do um, to sort of jump into action or what what do we have acknowledge do we have to acknowledge in order to um adapt our environment to our needs. Uh, I think now is a good time to uh, revisit maybe or reflect on a relationship uh, with an old friend, our home. And like in any old relationship, sometimes it's time to refresh this relationship by asking the questions, what are two or three things that you like about your home? and This could be, for instance, the view out your kitchen window, or it could be a sofa in your living room, or it could be a shower head in your bathroom. And I really would like to invite you, uh, sorry, to put some of these thoughts in the chats, some of these reflections, and look what, what do other people say? What do they like about their home? And what do you like about their home? And what thoughts does this bring up? for this old uh, acquaintance, your home. And I think Denise will, uh, if we have time, uh, we'll read some of these reflections uh, during the Q&A. But now it's time to uh, talk concretely. What is age-friendly design? What does it look like in your home? And how do you make your home age-friendly. 
So we all know that age-friendly design is about safety. And safety is the baseline. We, we need to feel uh, confident and fearless in our home. But we should be able to ask for more. We should also uh, stay socially connected, be comfortable, and as importantly, have everyday delight in our homes. By taking this sort of more, um, this broader view on age-friendly design, which is human-centered, I think we can think about it in terms of our general well-being and not only about avoiding falls or avoiding a decline. It's really also celebrating our strength in older age and this kind of experiences. So our home is the hub. Our age-friendly home is the hub many environments. It's, of course, our physical environment, our home, our social environment, our emotional, and our personal environment. An age-friendly home can enable us to be connected with safety and comfort and delight in all these realms. For instance, if we put a second rail on our front stair, it's not just about avoiding a fall. It's also about staying connected to the neighborhood and also about inviting friends in who might have different abilities than we do. And if the second rail is, for instance, um, a beautiful piece, it doesn't have to match the other rail. If this is a piece of driftwood or especially carved rail, uh, something we love to touch, then it also adds delight to this daily experience of using your stair. And you know, while you're speaking of connection, younger people immediately think connection and the internet or a smartphone. Um, and that's part of being connected, too. But during COVID, uh, many older people, uh, even though more and more elderly people are adopting to technology and own smartphones and all types of computers and tablets, uh, many still don't. And they became very socially isolated because they had no contact or very little contact with the outside world for over two years. It's we're wired as social people, and it's just very damaging. So it's interesting. I've noted in the first quarter of this year that there has been an onslaught of people calling in. These are the same people, by the way, who told me very definitively that they would, the only way they're going to leave their home is feet first. And now they're, they're calling and saying, I've changed my mind. I want to come in. I miss being around people. Yes, and I do think that connection is the key principle of age-friendly design. And so when we look at the age-friendly 
toolbox, you know, how do these principles really manifest themselves in your home? One expression of connection is a view. <laughs> in the workshops, I teach the aging 360 workshops, view comes up so many time, times as something pe people truly love about their home. And of course, not everybody can have a view of a beautiful lake and woods, but sometimes it's just sort of looking at your neighbor across the street or what's going on uh, uh, on the sidewalk. So um, an age-friendly design move, for instance, is that you make sure that there is, if you like, a specific view. Just make sure that there is a chair there so you can actually enjoy the view. Or make sure your window is clean and opens easily to let fresh air in. And if you don't have a view, maybe sometimes you create your own view uh, by putting uh, a little vase with flowers in your window. Light and air still streams through it, and then you have the flowers in the foreground. So there's always a way uh, to create connection and also bring delight into this. And of course, we have said it now many times, you know, stairs are a key connector to the world. And uh, if you have a wider stair uh, where you can't reach the rail on either side, um, what could be a simple solution? Uh, this person here, for instance, just put a secondary rail just three feet off the side. So she can now feel more confident to use these stairs and not think twice before she goes out and into the neighborhood to do her errands. And connection is also, we all know this, about memories, books, pictures, awards, certificates. Many of those have piled up in our homes and often we don't see them anymore because there are so many accomplishments and so many books we want to read. So why not create reconnect with them by curating them, by finding a good place in the home for them, which is easily accessible and in view. I love the word curating. It's such a perfect word. I deal with uh, people who have been in their homes 40, 50 years, and that's such a lovely word that makes a very difficult task. It's emotional as well. Uh, selecting those things that you will either take with you if you move or simply because you need to repurpose your home to make it more age-friendly for yourself. I had an experience uh, in my own life. Uh, when we remodeled our uh, home, we had a friend come help. She was a designer and she took a look around and just stated right out that we had to get rid of all of our furniture. And I nearly fell over. I thought, what? <laughs> I had, didn't expect that. It absolutely floored me. But she was the expert and we did what she said. And six months later, when we returned, we returned to this beautiful, light-filled, uh, very uh, modestly decorated home that just felt so peaceful. 
unlike anything I had ever anticipated. Uh, and I was in love. So that was a harsh way of curate, curating my uh, belongings. But it actually was a good thing for me to have to do because how can I honestly talk to people in my daily work and say, this is what you need to do if I haven't actually walked in those moccasins and done it myself and know the feeling of how good it is to lighten your load uh, as hard as it was. I don't miss that furniture, even though some of it was more, uh, what do you call it? Heirloom. They had some family connections. I don't miss it. I, I love this new environment and I find it inspiring. So not everybody's as eradicated as Candice, of course, <laughs> but, um, you know, we can start with um, going through our books, which is for many people a big task. But let's move on to safety and comfort. Safety is really about feeling strong and carefree. Nobody should be afraid or think twice about stepping in the shower. Uh, and um, so balance is really important in the bathroom. We are sometimes like acrobats in a bathroom. You know, often we stand on one leg, we lift an arm, we bend over, et cetera, et cetera. So having a uh, safety bar where we need it really can make a difference. And many, and often a safety bar doesn't, it's not just you know, it's not about pulling yourself up in this case. It's really providing guidance. And um, what I also would like to say in the public realm, uh, in public, you know, housing and bathrooms and et cetera, there's a certain standard at what height things have to be mounted. But in your own home, you can mount something at whatever height works for you. So I really want to encourage people to pay attention to this uh, when they do that. That's also, uh, you know, important at uh, the toilet. A safety bar at the toilet makes a difference. And uh, in this bathroom, for instance, um, it's a flat bar alongside the toilet where somebody could also put little decorative items. It's not just a, a regular round safety bar. So sometimes uh, we can play around uh, with this kind of solutions. And then I would also encourage you to uh, maybe look in the field of sport <laughs> What about uh, if you just need a grip in a certain location? What about instead of a regular safety bar? Uh, what about looking at climbing grips? They're fun, come in different colors, different shapes. Uh, maybe that brings a smile to your face when you go into your bathroom. And then, of course, there are also uh, poles, floor-to-ceiling poles uh, for people who need a bar uh, to need to slide a bar up and down a pole in different locations as they do their work and practice in their bathrooms. Many options. 
we talked about the lever handle. Um, it's such a simple thing. And um, as you probably noticed from my accent, I come from Europe. And in Europe, lever handles are the standard. Here we have knobs. And it does make a difference to have a lever handle versus a knob. And you see it also, all public environments have lever handles, and it's for a good reason. We talked about, you know, for somebody who is trouble gripping and uh, grasping a knob and turning it, but also when you have your hands full with shopping bags, you don't want to put them down, turn the knob, and then take the bag up again. Here you can just use an elbow. And we all know also that uh, we have less energy as we grow older. So why waste your energy on fighting the environment? Make it easier for yourself. This is also a common example. I'm also a victim of this. Uh, going into my lower cabinets on my knees to pull out some far away pot. <laughs> But there are other options. Um, the easiest one is uh, the baskets on the left. Then there are, of course, pull out wire shelf inserts, which you can just install into uh, an existing cabinet. And then um, you can have somebody um, fabricate drawers or even buy drawer inserts uh, online. I would say this is a realm where standards actually come in handy because kitchen cabinets come have dimensional come in dimensional increments so it's fairly easy to figure out what fits uh, into your lower lower cabinet. One more thing I also want to say here that uh, also how you open your drawer or make uh, or a cabinet door makes a difference. You see in the middle you still have knobs, which uh, we talked about are not that easy to grip. But on the right-hand side, you have uh, these U-shaped handles, uh, which are much easier to use. In the industry world or in the design world, they're called wire pulls, which I think is a pretty weird name. But they're basically these U-shaped handles, which uh, save you energy uh, and make life easier. Um, you know, this reminds me, I just remembered that in uh, the architect for a community where I used to work showed me the most wonderful uh, device for us uh, height challenge people. When you're reaching up to your cabinets uh, above the kitchen counter to grab a can of soup or something on a higher shelf, this product was designed so you take one of those handles you just described and you pull this you pull it towards you and the shelves kind of come down and out so you don't have to get on a stool and the two shelves that normally would be static are now right about level where you can easily grab it it's a wonderful invention yes it's very cool this it um i think it was originally designed by a swiss um, hardware company called Hefele, and these are quite uh, intricate hardware configuration. Uh, and I would say, if you if you can't invest in a fantastic solution like this, 
there's always the option that you actually reorganize your kitchen cabinets in a way that you don't have to use a step stool, but just put things of everyday use on lower shelves. <laughs> we sometimes forget that it's that easy to make an age-friendly design move. So barrier-free is a big um, goal to reach for safety and comfort. Uh, this is uh, a barrier-free shower uh, in one of my projects. It's relatively easy to do in a new home or addition. It's not that easy to do in an existing home. But if you can't be completely barrier-free, which, uh, of course, uh, it provides for a, an easier and more flexible environment, you can at least reduce barrier-free barriers. And this, for instance, is uh, a low-curb shower pen, uh, in this case, by Cola, but there are many manufacturers who now produce this. So, again, it's about doing something maybe if you can't do it 100%, you do it at least 50%. That's better than nothing. And it's really also about, and if this is not possible, then at least you know, call out transition visually so you can prepare for them. And, uh, you know, there are easy things which are available in every hardware store. These are these safety strips, which can be applied to your stair nosings, but also uh, to the shower curb. Or for the shower curb, you can also use a contrasting tile, for instance, for the curb, if you want to keep this or can't get rid of it. And lighting in every case is equally important. Again, bringing more light to transitions and call them out visually. And uh, I have to say we are all very lucky that we are now living in the world of LED lighting <laughs> because LED lighting uh, allows for relatively easy and uh, space-efficient solutions and also, there are LED battery-powered lights, which are puck lights, which just can be mounted to the wall without uh, getting an electrician running wiring for you. So this is always a great thing to experiment with. And here again, um, lighting in stairways and hallways is especially important. And I don't know if, if you have experienced this also in your own homes, but for whatever reasons, in many homes, hallways and stairways are underlit. And this is especially dangerous for older eyes because older eyes take more time to uh, adjust between light and dark. So if you come out of a light room into a dark hallway or stairway, uh, this is really uh, a scary thing. So especially lighting stairs and hallways uh, makes a big difference. You also pointed out uh, in that uh, photo that painting the walls a light color is very helpful because it's going to reflect ambient light and illuminate uh, 
the stairs even more, uh, as opposed to painting it a dark color, which absorbs the light. Yes, uh, that's actually a really, really uh, easy thing to do. And um, when you said this, Kindisa, I also remember but uh, years ago we did a project with rebuilding together in San Francisco and the homeowner had the stairs, the stairs themselves were painted black, <laughs> uh, which was probably the worst you can do for stairs. So that's what the volunteers then did at our recommendation. They painted the stairs in a light color and uh, put contrasting strips on the nosing again for making uh visually making the transitions more apparent so delight i consider this this is my favorite age-friendly design principle of course uh and it's as important yes it is as important as safety and connection because without delight uh, delight is part of feeling healthy and happy so asking yourself the question, what is your passion, is part of making something delightful. It could be, you could be uh, a great cook, you could be a great gardener, um, you could be an avid reader. What is your passion? Where do you want, where do you want to invest your energy in adapting your environments? In this case, of course, this person's still passion is their yard. So raised planter beds, beautifully colored concrete walkways, bamboo rail along the walkway and trellises for the fruit trees. You, you shared with me earlier that that homeowner had to make a really difficult choice, though. Was it was she going to redo the bathroom or was she going to have this garden and her passion won? And what a beautiful design. Yes. And I was not, to be honest, at first very happy with her choice because the rational way would have been to put a new bathroom on her first floor. But uh, yes, she's still going strong in her garden. She's uh, 88 now. <laughs> so uh, delight is also about being bold. And colors, of course, are a great way for being bold but again here colors have two functions it's not just about being delighted they also have the function to call awareness to certain things and um, contrast especially in older age again color contrast really help us to perceive or aging eyes help aging eyes to perceive the environment and the color red, uh, there are studies, uh, especially uh, beneficial for people living uh, with dementia. And we talked about this bathroom before in the beginning. This is a bathroom designed especially for people living with dementias. And you will notice that all the important functions in the bathroom, from the toilet lid to the uh safety bar the toilet to the uh flush buttons uh above the toilet they're all in red they're called out in red but the beautiful thing again is that this bathroom works for everybody it's safe and delight 
full for everybody. And I noticed that everything is off the floor. There's nothing on the floor. So it's barrier free if you have a wheelchair or a walker or 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 just have a balance issue. Yes, it's an object out of it too. Thank you. Delight, of course, is also uh, about bringing nature into your home. So this can be as easily as picking some flowers in your neighbor's yards or maybe also in your own. Uh, but it's also about uh, connecting your home with nature and your garden. And uh, this is our last slide here. And uh, it's about the extension of your home, thinking about the, the environment, the context of your home as part of your home. And this was one of my projects for a woman in her 70s who had MS. And um, her cats lived in the yard, so she needed a ramp down to her cats. She loved fresh air, so we put in an outdoor shower here behind the tree. And then the magnolia tree uh, was her treasure so we put a French door uh, into her living room so she could also see it from outside. So all of these things together connected the interior and the exterior for her uh, as she chose this as her lifelong home. We'd like to thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you learned something and are inspired to take a the next step. Um, we do have an Aging 360 tip sheet that you can get by uh, emailing Susie at the email address on this slide. Um, we also have an upcoming Aging 360 online workshop coming up in March. Um, and you can find more out about that on our website. It's three consecutive weekends. Um, so for more information, you can go to the website at at homewithgrowingolder.org. Now we're going to invite Denise back to field some questions. Hopefully you have some questions for us. Yes, we definitely have. And I have a feeling you've converted some people <laughs> in understanding <laughs> how delight is as important as, as any of the functional uh, parts of a house. Okay, so we have a question from someone and um, he says, when you use a wheelchair, accessible shower without a lip to keep the water from flowing out, how do you prevent the water from flooding the bathroom every time you take a shower? <laughs> well, every, that's an excellent question. <laughs> so uh, there is a slight slope in every shower. And it's a 2% slope, which is a quarter inch per foot. So this, the shower floor slopes away from the bathroom floor and typically uh, to a trench drain along the wall. So it's like sheet um, draining. And that's how it works. And I can just say that there was a time when... Uh, the plumbing inspector, uh, you know, who had to review a remodel did not like this kind of showers because they were exactly concerned about what the question was about. 
But in the meantime, you know, this kind of drainage has been perfected. And also there is uh, just an understanding that there is simply a need for it, not only in public environments, but also in residential environments. Okay, so we have another question about um, what are three things you think everyone should do to make their home age-friendly, which doesn't cost any money? (laughs) Um. (laughs) Is there there such a thing? (laughs) There is plenty. So number one is, I think I would say what I said before, is reorganize your kitchen So things you use daily are in easy reach and you don't have to use a step stool. Number two is uh, put a stool or a chair in your bathroom. Most bathrooms have some room for this. It's really helpful to have a place to rest there. And number three, I would say, um, also repeating what we talked about before, curate your belongings and curate them in a way that you can enjoy them. Um, for instance, there are um, some of them you could place in glass cabinets, you know, a special collection of your heirlooms or shells or whatever you choose. I mean, choose, consider yourself, your home, like you can have changing exhibits maybe. But I do think connecting to your uh, possessions is really important. And one thing that comes up that I hear an awful lot about are, are beautiful rugs that people buy, like oriental rugs, and they put them over their rugs. And that is obviously a a trip hazard Mm -hmm. and if you absolutely have to do that you really do need to go to the hardware store and spend just a little money not much to get that adhesive so you can tack the edges uh strongly to the carpet so that you're it's not a trip hazard the best thing of course would be to take them up and maybe put them on the wall and enjoy them in a different way Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I just art. wanted to say. Turn them into wall hangings. <laughs> All right. So we have someone who wants to do some some change, make some changes in her home, and to stay in her home, but she's very overwhelmed. There's so much information out there. Um, do you have any suggestions about how she could get started? Yes, I would say move a chair. <laughs> I mean, literally do something really, really simple mm-hmm. and see how it affects you. Do this tonight. Do this in the next couple of days. Start start really simple and also ask yourself this question. What do you love about your home? What's important for you in your home? And oh, then... I'm very, I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm also a big believer in reward systems. So if you do something and if you make a change, reward yourself. Like how? I don't know (laughs) what your reward would be for me. It would be ice cream, but, you know, reward yourself. (laughs) I also hear people 
ask me, but where do I start? Mm-hmm. Do I start at the rubber band drawer or do I start <laughs> in the garage? Oh, God. Um, and, and you just have to take it in little teeny bits. You don't have to do it all at once. You can just do a drawer. Um, make us make it more take all that clutter that piled up and just organize it you'd be amazed what you're going to find in there you may even find some money you didn't even know you had or an uncashed check you could be a winning lottery ticket you never know it's worth the investigation but seriously um, the at home with growing older website is chock full of resources and information um, and that tip sheet that you can pick up from um, Susie by email would be a good start, too, for resources. Um, and remind everybody how they can get the tip sheet. Yes, they can uh, email me. And I don't know if you can put this into the chat, Denise. My, mm. my email address is sstadler at, at home was growing older dot org. We'll see if someone behind the scenes can put that in. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have someone who says, I've, I have a home. And she owns it free and clear. It needs repairs, but she doesn't have any extra money for those. And they're mainly inside repairs. They're minor. Uh, what kind of uh, suggestions or resources would you suggest for her? Well, well, you know what first comes to mind, Susie? There's this group, uh, I'm sure many of you know it, but they're called um, uh, villages. Uh, you can join a village in your neighborhood. Uh, it's a sliding scale monthly fee, uh, but they provide you with um, resources, uh, sometimes handymen. Uh, they might be able to negotiate a better rate because that is now a resource to many households, not just one. Um, I know that in some apartment buildings, they have joined the village uh, for just that reason, so that uh, the the manager of the apartment building isn't, you know, fielding all these calls about how to, you know, get something simple fixed or uh, tighten a screw in a, in a light fixture or some such thing. And they also provide um uh, groups for book clubs and all kinds of other activities. So that might be one idea. There's there's two in San Francisco, and they're all over the Bay Area. One is called San Francisco Village, and one is called uh, Next Village, I believe. That's more over in the uh, uh, Italian yeah. area. Pardon me? Is it Emeryville? No, no, no. It's in San Francisco. It's oh, over right. near... North Beach, yeah, North Beach, exactly. We even had someone who uh, uh, called me, and their mother speaks mainly Italian, and she was very lonely living in her home with a caregiver. She just really wanted to talk to somebody in her native tongue, and they were able to connect her with someone uh, in that little village group. Now she's happy. Nice connection, right? All right, so we have another question from someone who lives in a rent-controlled apartment, and the landlord will not do minor fixes. Um, how can she find a handyman? <laughs> yes, a handyman is like um, like a pot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> Probably your friends. Word of mouth referrals. And again, the, the village is a good network. 
um, looking it up online. I know there, there are places like TaskRabbit that can you can uh, online go and find someone. But I always find asking my, my group of friends who they've used, who they like, who was reasonable, asking two or three of them and then call, calling them. Uh, there's nothing like that personal connection. And it might sound ridiculous, but um, I have to admit, I have now resorted also to YouTube videos. So I repaired the trip lever on my toilet recently myself just by watching a YouTube video. So <laughs> I've crossed this threshold. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so many how-tos on, on YouTube now. Yeah, So, but it is an amazing resource, really, not to be underestimated what people share on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we have another um, question from someone about financial aid for home modifications. Um, any sources for, you know, someone who needs some serious modifications in the home, but needs some help financially? Yes, yeah, so there are, uh, there is a pretty good website uh, by the administration of community living of uh, funding sources for home modification in California. And um, I have to say that most of these funding sources are, I think actually the majority of them are dedicated uh, to modifications for people who are already living with a disability or have functional limitations, it's more difficult to uh, find sources uh, when you want to do something preventative. And I really think that this is a big mistake cities make because, you know, they could easily support people as they do remodels or modifications uh, in um, financially because it's just um, beneficial for cities to know that people can age in their own homes. That's the cheapest way for cities and municipalities to secure senior housing is uh, age-friendly homes. You know, I was thinking about uh, my parents' home and what they felt delight with. You know, in her their home, they had a little, they have small sunroom, and they would just love to go into that sunroom and watch the birds go by and. Um, they kept the birds very well fed. <laughs> so they would keep that show going. <laughs> um, I was just also thinking, this is kind of off topic, but I did want to bring it up at some point, and now is the opportunity. Uh, Susie and I were speaking the other day to another board member who shared that she has a regular route that she walks over in Berkeley in this wonderful little park. And it's not really easy, apparently, to get get into the park. There's lots of tree roots. And so it's a little bit of a, an obstacle course. But over the years that she's been going to that park, she met and befriended an elderly man. I believe he's in his 90s, right, Susie? And so his day now is to get himself into that park, negotiating all those roots, and they meet at this little park bench and they talk and share and they had this wonderful intergenerational 
connection and they've come to know each other. But here's here's something that needs improvement. And when you see something like this, call your council person. The bench does not have any arms on it. So he cannot get up by himself. The only way he can get up is for her to help him up. So we were talking about improvements within our homes. Use this little program to make you aware out in the city environment, what are things that could be improved to improve connection between people in those areas too. Uh, Watch for the park benches that don't have uh, any way to lever yourself up using the arms and things of that sort and let your council person know. Mm-hmm. Well, we just have uh, um, about a minute or two left. Is there, are there any other closing um, thoughts you'd like to share with the audience or leave the audience with? Well, I would really like to encourage uh, people to experiment mm. and as I said before, it might have sounded you know, sort of tongue in cheek that I said, just move a chair, but it's true, you know, just making one little change uh, makes a different difference. I just reorganized my living room and I now have a little bistro table with two chairs there. I use it all the time because I live alone now in my house. So Dining on a big table is not that much fun, but dining on a small bistro table makes a difference and is delightful. So this is all part of creating an environment which changes with your lifestyle and your way of living. So I would just encourage people um, to experiment and have fun with it. And do consider uh, going to the Aging 360 workshop. It's uh, it's it's fun because uh, it's a small group of people. What maybe eight to ten at most. Susie or uh, is the moderator, and over a course of three weekends, in short little time periods of an hour and a half, you can you can be your own home inspector and and get support from a from a group to help you make the changes. I think that sounds fun. Well, our thanks to Susie Stadler and. Candice Milford, as well as everyone here who tuned in. I'm Denise Michaud, and this concludes our program here at the Commonwealth Club, celebrating 120 years of enlightened discussion. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you go to commonwealthclub.org slash donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support.